Pastor Austin, everybody. Amen, amen. Oh, stop, oh, stop. Keep going. No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Oh, man, good morning, Watts Bar. Good morning. They let the children's pastor out of the cage. It's true. Here's the attraction you all came for. No, I'm kidding. Uh, But, yeah, I'm excited to be up here. Uh, Super happy. Um, Yeah, it was a good first service. Uh, I enjoy just up here, too, just enjoying worship, praise and worship. And, uh, man, how about that move we've already felt today, that move of God. Um, Amazing. Got some family here, so uh, happy to see them this morning. It's a good day. It's a good day to have a good day, Watts Bar. Come on. So, uh, our pastoral series here, you've heard a couple weeks already. Um, some, some great words already spoken, and the theme is God is blank. So, of course, being if you don't know, I'm, I'm one of the children's pastors here uh, with my beautiful uh, pregnant wife with our first kid, Brianna. Um, so, we're the children's pastors, so we deal with kids a lot. Uh, in addition, for some reason... My uh, questionably sane wife watches kids at home, too, during the day as a job. So we're around kids a lot. So this got me thinking, and my, my title is God is Father. God is Father. So God is Father. And here's the thing. We all know that already, right? Or probably we all know that. God is our Father. We've heard probably countless messages in the past about God is our Father, our Heavenly Father. He loves us. That's awesome, right? Great. But what I want to look at today, I want to flip that on its head and look at the other side. Because if God is Father, there's another half of that relationship that I think we don't talk about quite as much. So if God is the Father, that makes us the children. Yeah, if God is the Father, then we are the children, right? It makes sense. It's pretty self-explanatory. But what does that mean exactly? Because we say we're children of God. I'm a child of God. We'll sing it sometimes in songs. But what does that mean exactly? That we're children. That we're children of God. So there's a few things that, that I know. Well, first of all, so you've probably heard the term childlike faith, right? Childlike faith. And so here's the funny thing is... It's kind of a misconception. The term childlike faith doesn't actually exist in the Bible. It's not there. So why do we talk about it? Well, when we're talking about it, most of the time what people are talking about is Matthew chapter 18. There's a story in here. And they'll bring it up on the screen if you don't have your Bible with you. And and there's a few similar stories in the other Gospels, you know, retellings of the same story as there usually is. But I want to look at Matthew 18 real quick. Verses 1 through 4. So right at the beginning, uh, if I can find my place here. Here it is. So about that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked him. They said, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? So Jesus called a little child to him and put the child among them. Then he said, I tell you the truth. Unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And here's the message version, because I like the way this says it as well. About the same time, the disciples came to Jesus asking, who gets the highest rank in God's kingdom? 
For an answer, Jesus called over a child whom he stood in the middle of the room and he said, I'm telling you once and for all that unless you return to square one and start over like children, you're not even going to get a look at the kingdom, let alone get in. Whoever becomes simple and elemental again, like this child, will rank high in God's kingdom. What's more, when you receive the childlike on my account, it's the same as receiving me. So there's the story that we usually hear when we talk about childlike faith. And you say, well, Austin, it doesn't say faith anywhere in there. I know. That's the point. So where does it come from? So the term childlike faith is not used explicitly. However, Jesus is using the example of children to the disciples who are worried about their place in the kingdom. So we got the disciples worried about their place in the kingdom, arguing about it with each other, and Jesus pulls in a little child. So Jesus is especially honing in on the characteristic of humility. That's the big thing he talks about in that passage is humility. The humility of a child. And I believe we can learn something from that. I believe there's other characteristics associated with children that we can learn from to use in our faith. And I believe a lot of them actually that we'll talk about are driven by humility at the base. They all kind of go back to the same thing. So I believe that although faith is not mentioned in and of itself in this passage, we know that it's not just humility that ushers a person into heaven, right? It's not just being humble that gets us into heaven, that gets us a relationship with God. It's faith. Faith is the very basis of our relationship with God. So if we take those two ideas and put them together, that's where we get our childlike faith. You could even call perhaps an, a humble, unpretentious faith, childlike faith. So here's some characteristics of children. Number one, children are humble. Again, this is the main thing that Jesus hits on in this passage. So it's our starting point here. Children are humble. Think about it. Children are not prideful. They're not arrogant. They don't think too much of themselves. They just are who they are. And they make no excuses for it either, right? They just are who they are. And they're confident in who they are. There's a a study Bible that I use that actually suggested true humility is not only not thinking too highly of oneself, but not thinking too low of oneself. So having that right picture of identity, of who you are, of your place. And I think kids know that. My, my dad's out in the crowd here, and he comes down and helps us in children's church quite a bit. And he'll tell you one of his favorite things to do is he comes up with nicknames for all the kids. And usually it'll be something that's, you know, that he relates to their name. You know? So if, if they've got a name, usually it'll be like sports figures or celebrities. You know, if there's someone with the same name, he'll make some kind of connection, give them that nickname. And he'll call them that every time he sees them. So much that some of the other kids will start calling that kid by that name. And I think some of them think that those are their real names. But the thing about kids is they will get very offended about their name. And I know my dad will tell you this. They'll get, they'll get bent out of shape about you calling them the wrong name. Especially, I know in other cases, you know, he may change just 
one little letter or something about their name, and it will get them going. They say, no, my name's Austin. It's not Boston. My name's Austin. That's who I am. And they will argue till they're blue in the face about their name because here's the thing. They know who they are. And while they may not have delusions of grandeur about who they are, that they're some big, mighty person, they know exactly who they are. And that may be just them, but to them, that's enough. That's who they are. That's who I am. I'm not any less. I'm not any more. I'm just Austin. And that's enough. So they know who they are. They're humble. And the right identity comes from that. And the Bible tells us, Proverbs 3.34, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. James 4.10 says, Humble yourselves before the Lord and He will lift you up in honor. So the way up is down. Be humble. And children are some of the best. They don't have some great ambitions. They don't have some confidence that, that's unjustified. But they are them. They're exactly who they should be. So children are also trusting, yet curious. Children are trusting, right? Children are prone to believe what you tell them. As long as you haven't given them reason to not believe, right? They're prone to believe what you tell them. So they're trusting, but here's the thing. They're also curious, and that's an important yet. They're curious. Because the thing with childlike faith, and we hear the word faith, and we think that's a blind, uneducated faith. But I don't think it is. Because here's the thing. Parents in the house, you cannot tell me that your kid does not ask questions, right? I see a lot of parents, mm, I felt the spirit on that one. Kids ask so many questions. And what's their favorite one-word question that they ask to everything? Why? And it'll drive you bananas, but they ask why. And even when you give them the explanation on that why, their follow-up question, why? I just told you why. Why? Kids ask why. So when we talk about a childlike faith, I don't think that's any justification for not asking questions. I don't think God expects us to not ask questions. He doesn't expect us or want us, I think, to just blindly follow whatever he's telling us. I think he likes when we ask questions. I think he likes us to be curious and want to know more, to want to learn, to want to experience. I think God wants those things for us, right? So children are curious, but again, they are trusting more often than not. As long as you don't give them a reason not to believe, they'll believe. I can tell the kids downstairs, hey, there's a horse outside. And they'll probably believe me, but they'll want to go see it for themselves, right? So it's not a question of whether they believe I'm telling the truth or not. They believe me on a surface level, but they still want to see it for themselves. That's how they learn. That's how kids learn. They want to go see it for themselves. And the thing too, once they go outside and see that horse, there's not a horse outside today, but once they go outside and see that horse, that will strengthen their trust that they have in me. And they'll say, yeah, there is a horse. Austin's right. 
So a study I looked at shows that kids actually ask, on average, 73 questions a day, half of which parents struggle to answer. So we, he, God wants us to ask, and here's the thing, just like with your kids, sometimes, why? Because I said so, right? Come on. But here's the thing, sometimes that's God's answer to us. Sometimes, even though we ask, he may not give us the answer. He may say, because I said so, now go do it. And we have to accept that, but again, it goes back to the trust. We trust him, we have that childlike trust. Okay, I'll go do it, I trust you. But again, we'll go do it and see, and that only strengthens our trust as well. It's also trusting God to take care of us. We're dependent on God. Children are dependent on us, right? Your kid's not going to be able to do much for themselves if you just drop them off on the side of the road and leave them, right? Or if you take off on a trip to the Bahamas and never come back, they're not going to have anything to eat. They're not going to know what to do with the air and the heat. They're not going to... They'll be watching YouTube until they starve to death, you know? (laughs) So we have to trust that God will take care of us. It's like a few weeks ago I spoke during the offering. I don't see Pastor Ben right now because I know he loves this, but Pastor Ben and Amanda's son, Judah, four years old, one day we're downstairs in children's church and he tells me, my daddy's got a lot of money. (laughs) Unprovoked, completely out of the blue, just my daddy's got a lot of money. I'm like, well, good for you. Can you ask him if I can borrow some? (laughs) My daddy's got a lot of money and, and... So it made me think that, you know, and whether Ben does have a lot of money or not, I don't know, but Judah trusts his dad to take care of him. Judah doesn't worry about the bills of the house. You know, Ben and Amanda just recently built a house. Judah didn't worry about where that money was coming from to build that house. He doesn't worry about the money to feed him, to give him drink. He doesn't worry about the money to watch the TV that he does or when they go out and do stuff as a family. Judah doesn't have to worry about the money. He doesn't have to worry about how are we going to make this happen because my daddy's got a lot of money. And look, as adults, I know we work, you know, we hustle, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. God likes us to work. That shows that in the Bible, you know. So I'm not telling you to do nothing and expect everything. Don't mishear me today, but I believe still... You know, doing all the work we do, there's still times that we trust on ourselves a little too much. Maybe we're like, well, I don't really know how I'm going to squeeze by this month. I don't really know how I'm going to pay that bill. And we may go out and do something crazy to make it happen, but that's where we need to trust. My daddy's got a lot of money. I don't know how it's going to happen, but he's going to take care of me. So children are honest. Right? Children are honest. Come on, parents. Children are honest. If you knew half the things that your kids told me downstairs, <laughs> you would never show your face again. I'm telling you. They bear it all. They, no holds barred. They are brutally honest. But here's the thing, too. They're also honest about other people. They're honest about themselves they're honest about what they're feeling 
what they're going through. Right? You got the dreaded old thing as an adult, especially in the workplace. I'm sure everyone can relate. You're walking by someone in the hall. Hey, how you doing? Good. How are you? Good. Or how you doing? Living the dream. And it's like, what dream are you living? Nightmares can be dreams as well, I guess. But a kid, how are you doing today, buddy? I'm, I'm not doing so well. I'm upset. I'm angry. I'm hurt. You know, I'm, I'm feeling bad today. They'll tell you. They're honest. They'll tell you what happened at their home last night that made them feel that way. Again, they're honest. They are brutally honest. Because they're not scared to show them their real selves. But that's, as adults, what we become scared to show, right? So many times we close ourselves off. I can't let them know. Or we think, they don't care. They don't care how I'm doing. They don't care the issues I'm facing. They're dealing with their own. But kids don't think about any of that. They don't have any of that influencing. They just tell you what's going on. They're honest. They're honest. And that honesty, I believe, leads to hope. The hope of children, right? They're ever optimistic. They see the best in everything, in all areas of life. And I believe that comes from a place of honesty. Because when you can be honest with where you are, with what you're feeling right now, that's when you can have the most hope for the future, that things are going to change. That they're not going to stay that way. They're going to change. You can say, well, tomorrow's a new day. The sun's going to rise again. It will get better. Kids have that eternal optimism, right? Even if they're feeling bad, well, tomorrow's a new day. Or tomorrow I'm going to the park. Or tomorrow it's going to be better. So children are honest. They're hopeful. Children are joyful. Children are full of joy. They're full of happiness, right? They just, it springs out of them. And if you've not spent a lot of time with kids, I, I encourage you to because it's contagious. And they'll feel good about nothing at all. They'll just be happy to be happy. Again, it's that purity, that innocence, that honesty of kids. It doesn't matter what's going on. They can find happiness in everything, right? They can find happiness in everything. They're easily amazed. They have a sense of wonder and awe about the world around them, right? You take a kid for a walk through the forest and all the things they're going to be in wonder at. They're happy just to step on the grass outside, see the bright sun in the sky, feel the wind, right? They're joyful about the little things. And because here's the thing in the, the passage we talked about, Matthew 18, the kingdom of heaven, it talks about, suggests not just heaven, but God's kingdom here on earth. The kingdom of heaven, some put it, is the fulfillment of God's will here on earth. So it doesn't start in heaven. It starts here. It starts here. Here's the thing. I believe some of us get so caught up. And I've been thinking about this a lot lately. If God wanted to, we could have already been in heaven years ago, right? He could have just made more angels that would do whatever he would say and fill them up in heaven, right? But think about it for a moment. He created this life, this earth, for a reason. He created humans for a reason. 
Make no mistake, this life is a gift, a precious gift. And so many of us, I'm afraid, just let it pass by without ever taking in the awe of it and just enjoying life. Step back and just enjoy it for a moment. Parents, you ever had those days with your kids? You're out and about somewhere. It starts downpouring rain, and you're like, oh, let's hurry inside, let's get cleaned up, all that. And before you know it, you hear laughter. And you turn around, and your kids are dancing in the rain. They're getting drenched. They're filthy. They're jumping in mud puddles. And again, you could, okay, let's get in, let's get clean. Let's, but what about those moments you just let kids be kids, right? I hope all the parents in here have done that. Sometimes you just let kids be kids. And we'll clean up later. We'll do whatever we need to do later. But sometimes you just got to let them be kids. And so I ask all of you this morning, when's the last time you danced in the rain? When's the last time you stopped to smell the roses? When's the last time you just had a little bit of joy? True joy, just happiness for no other reason than just, I'm here, I exist, life is beautiful. I'm thankful for this life. When's the last time we had that? Philippians 4.4 4 says, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. It's like we have a couple uh, uh, five-year-olds, um, well, Honor and Valor, actually, the twins, because I know English doesn't mind me sharing, but Honor and Valor, you know, we, get, we go outside in the summer for our summer camp series on Wednesday nights. We go outside, and one particular night, Honor and Valor just start absolutely freaking out. They're just, oh, oh, Austin, 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 Bibi, look, oh my, oh my gosh, oh, amazing. And it's like, what? what? What's wrong? And they point to cows standing in the field in the farm across the road. They're like, cows! And I'm like, cool. And the same thing they've done with birds flying over us before. Birds! Wow. So when's the last time that we had joy like that? That we stepped outside and said, wow, look at God's creation. Look at this gift that I get to live in. When's the last time we got excited over nothing for no reason, just to feel happiness? So children are joyful. Children are loving, right? Kids are loving. They're very loving, regardless of what you look like, where you come from, how old you are, your politics. Regardless of anything, kids love. And they come by it naturally and easily, right? It doesn't take much. They have no uh, you know, qualifications or prerequisites of what they need from you to love you. They just love you. Just because. They just love. We have kids downstairs that, uh, you know, a new kid will show up and, you know, five minutes later, they're best friends with one of our regulars. And it's like, they'll, they'll tell us, they'll be like, we're best friends. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's cool. You didn't know each other five minutes ago. But it doesn't matter. They love them, and they're already talking about, you know, trips and going to do stuff together and staying over the night at my house, and we're going to go do this and that. You just met, but they love so easily, so naturally. And I know you parents that have felt that love from a child. It just bubbles up so naturally. And it's a love that doesn't always want something in return either. Yeah, sometimes kids want things, but in general, 
they don't want anything from you. They just love you. They love you. They're loving. And as a result of loving easily, they forgive easily. Here's a big one. Especially as adults, we don't forgive so easily, right? We don't forgive so easily. And I know it's easy, you know, someone does something to you, you get in an argument, whatever, you don't see them for years. It's easy to hold on to that resentment, that grudge. It's easy to say, I don't want nothing to do with them. But like our kids downstairs, they may be in a fight. They may be in a knockdown drag out fight. And then five minutes later, they're best friends again. And they're sitting next to each other and they're talking and doing something and getting in trouble for talking during the class. And you're like, weren't you guys just mad at each other? Well, yeah. They don't care. They forgive easily. They forgive easily. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I've loved you, says John fifteen, twelve. So they love. They love passionately, furiously, right? A kid will love you. They'll crawl up in your lap and just squeeze the air out of you. They love. The last characteristic, children are weird. Come on, children are weird, right? It's not just me. Kids are weird. Come on, parents. Children are weird. Help me out a little bit here. They're weird. Children march to the beat of their own drum. They don't care what you think about them. They don't care about getting judged. They don't care about what people are going to say about them, right? They're weird. They just do them. They don't care. They have no inhibitions. Pastor Casey and Tiffany's son, Kai, I know they love this. He's been coming down the last couple weeks, and he's been doing great, but his favorite part is praise and worship. And here's the thing. He loves it so much, he don't even need music. (laughs) He walks around our classroom dancing. And talking about not caring, he'll walk right up to groups of other kids and dance right in their face. (laughs) He'll start blabbering away about who knows what. I can't understand anything he says, but he's weird. (laughs) And he's got lots of energy. But here's the thing, when I see Kai dancing, I think about King David. When he was bringing the ark back and he was... They had the, the Israelites had this procession going and they were singing and dancing and playing instruments and David was cutting a rug. He was absolutely going crazy and you had the woman up in the tower that looked down on him with such judgment and said, what a fool. He, and told him later, said, you look like a fool. And you know what David's response was? He said, you think that's bad. You think that's weird. You think that's crazy. You ain't seen nothing yet. He said, I'll become more undignified than this. Because he had the joy for the Lord. He said, it's for the Lord. So I'll become more undignified than this because of the joy I have, because of that wonder and awe that I have, because of the love, because of the humility. I know exactly my place and my identity as a child of God. You ain't seen nothing yet. I'll get a little crazy. I'll get a little weird. But we were never called to be the same as each other. You were called to be different. 
You were called to be a different breed. Romans 12.2 says, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. We have a just turned four years old that's looking at me one day in class. He goes, I'm an alligator. Boop! I'm like, what does that mean? What do I do with that information? Kids are weird. But you know what? He didn't care about those other kids standing beside him. He didn't care what I thought, what BB thought. He just wanted to get that out there. And he was uniquely himself and had no shame about it. There are a lot more unashamed than I am on a daily basis. It's convicting. You know, once you get past the laughter, it's a little convicting. And like Kai dancing around, you're like, man, do I, you know, it's hard. Sometimes you get that voice creeping up in your head. People are watching me. What are they thinking? But children are weird. They don't care. They're uniquely their own. They're creative and imaginative. There's no limits to their creativity, their uniqueness. So here's the thing. We've looked at some characteristics of children. We've looked at some things that I think can help give us a childlike faith. So I want to take a moment with you this morning, church, to just remember the, remember the good days. Remember the good times when you were a kid. And think about it too. Kids, you got no worries. You're not worrying about what tomorrow brings. You're living in the here and now today. You got no shame. <clears throat> you're loving. You're humble. You're trusting. You're learning every day. But I wonder, we look at those things, and I wonder as adults, we've grown up in this world, and I wonder today how many people are sitting out here that, Austin, I've grown up. I've let this world beat me down. I've allowed myself to become a little bit jaded towards the world, to be dulled down because we all go through stuff, right? <clears throat> There's not a person in here that doesn't have a story. And so I'm not saying that you can't have the appropriate times to feel bad about that, but we go through life and, and we get beat down. And gradually, inch by inch, we don't even realize it sometimes, but we let this world take hold of us. We let the worries and concerns of being an adult take hold of us, right? We let the worries of this life and we slowly become less loving, less forgiving, less joyful, less weird. Inch by inch and, and finally, we talk about standing out, finally we become an assembly line, a gray blob just like everybody else. That was never meant for you. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. How many of us, and we sang about it earlier, how many of us need to go back to the start this morning? Go back to the beginning. Go back to where it all began. 
rediscover, reignite that purity that a child has, that purity, that innocence, that view of the world that they have. And here's the thing too, because I know you're saying, Austin, if I'm too trusting, I'm going to get hurt. Won't I, won't I get hurt? Yeah. You're going to get hurt. Someone's going to take advantage of you. You're going to trust the wrong person. You're going to forgive the wrong person that's going to do the same thing to you. But that's part of life. He never promised it would be easy. But you know what? In spite of all that, God your Father is there for you. You're going to get hurt. That's just a byproduct of trusting too much, but we still trust anyway. Because there's a lot of good in this world. There's a lot of good. Don't let all the hate and the negativity and the bad distract you. Be like a kid and look at the good. Find the joy. Find your joy this morning. Because here's one of my favorite things too, downstairs in class. And if you've ever worked in children's ministry, you'll back me up on this. But one of the things, you get done with your lesson, whatever, you're asking questions. If a kid wasn't paying attention for some reason or didn't hear or whatever, if they don't know the answer, their default answer is always Jesus. They go, Jesus? And how do you tell them they're wrong, first of all? How do you tell them they're wrong? But think about it just for a minute. What if that became our default answer? What if we went back to the simplicity of a child and said, hey... I don't know the answer. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. I don't know how to fix this mess I've made. But Jesus. Jesus. Jesus is the answer. So maybe you're coming this morning to your Heavenly Father and you say, God, I've, I've screwed up. Let's be real for a minute, church. Maybe you're coming. A lot of you feel like, hey, I've screwed up. I've missed the mark. I've missed my opportunity. I messed all this up again. Here's the work of my hands, and it's a disaster. But we're afraid to go tell our Father. Take it from me, and I know there's a lot of worse stories out there, but take it from me, one of the lowest points of my life, the Take it from me, the two-time college dropout that was floundering in life. I didn't know what to do, what I wanted to do, who I wanted to be. And I felt like an embarrassment and a disappointment to my parents. And this is nothing against them. They're the greatest parents. This is nothing against them. This is how I was feeling. But that's the thing. When I went to them, I went to my father. I said, hey, I screwed things up again. I don't know what I'm going to do, Dad. I I messed up. I'm good for nothing. You're probably disappointed in me. Do you think he said, yeah, I am. Yeah, you really messed up, son. No, his immediate response and my mother's, give me a hug. I love you. I love you. You are not a disappointment. We could never be disappointed in you. So maybe someone needs to have that conversation with their Heavenly Father this morning. 
hey God, I've messed things up. I don't know what I'm going to do. I've let this world beat me down. I'm not humble. I'm not forgiving. I'm not trusting of people. I don't want to learn anything. I, I don't have any joy. I need something. I need a change. I need to go back to the beginning. So everyone stand up with me if you will.